The Chicago Bears lost emphatically to the New York Jets in a 10-31 game that left people fairly sad. And unsurprisingly, nobody wanted to talk to me about it post-game. So I talked to myself on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And today I have a treat for you guys, as even though the Bears lost 10-31 to in New Jersey, I guess, to the New York Jets, we've got the one and only Bears analyst, Robert Schmitz, here with us to help break down this game. Robert, how are you feeling? Robert, I'm doing okay. It's great to hear from you. Honestly, you said that we could do the show. I was excited. I've been following your content for an awfully long time, and I really can't wait to dig into this with you. Well, Robert, that's awesome to hear. And speaking of digging in, let's go ahead and dive in. What were your initial impressions from this one? Well, I mean, let's start at the top, Robert. This game was dominated going into it with a massive question of who was going to or even start this game, let alone the game that was going to happen on the field. The game before the game in the world of gamesmanship was nuts as we saw Justin Fields seemingly campaign the entire week to play. And then Trevor Simeon was going to start. At some point, Nathan Peterman was going to start because Trevor Simeon hurt his oblique in the middle of warmups. But then, no, no, no. No, Trevor Simeon's back to playing. Look, either this was some of the craziest gamesmanship I have ever seen in the NFL, or it was, I don't know, some kind of embattlement within the organization. I mean, what did you take from this? Obviously, or honestly, Robert, I've sat here and wanted the same thing. I mean, part of me wants to know whether Justin Fields was truly just dying to play that much. And I can admire his competitive drive if that was the case. There's a chance this was just reported straight down the line. But obviously, in a world where John Fox was tight-lipped about every injury report that they ever had, and Matt Nagy was tight-lipped about every injury report that they ever had, you got to wonder whether there was a piece of this that came straight from the Bears organization and that Fields was never going to play, was always going to rest maybe through the bye maybe through the end of the season but that they were giving him a chance to show or to show that he was throwing on tape like we saw on Wednesday's practice so that the Jets could have to ultimately plan for both I could see it both ways yeah I know Robert ultimately I think I'm just trying to voice that I'm I am disappointed that Fields couldn't play not because I wanted to see him play I guess that's actually exactly it I did want to see him play. I understand future ramifications, but for crying out loud, Robert, I mean, I I just feel like this team had a shot to win this game if Fields was playing. And the idea that Fields, I know it's a pain tolerance thing. I understand there's potential for re-injury, but we saw what this offense was outside of Justin Fields. I mean, for crying out loud, you have to wonder what did they really think was going to be accomplished with Simeon? I, I understand, Robert. I can't help but think that the organization made a smart decision going forward with the way that they did. Look, the gamesmanship on the front end aside, I personally think that helping your franchise quarterback rest until the games, let's say, matter a little bit more in 2023 is probably the right call. I know it's semantic, Robert, but what was winning this game really going to do for this 2022 Bears team? 
what was it going to do? What are you talking about? I think winning culture really matters within this organization. I mean, they've won three games, Robert. They're three and nine. They're now at their fifth loss in a row for three years in a row. How on earth is a franchise going to pull themselves out of a funk like that if they don't win football games? I mean, I understand that Fields has some glittery numbers in the world of points he's putting on the board, the rushing stats that obviously helped contribute to an offensive style that got him run may or may not have gotten him hit 20 times a game, which could have added up to the wear and tear. But how do you really look at a game like this and just you're comfortable losing? Robert, I understand. I think that that's a very normal way to think about this, frankly, but I can't help but point at this roster. Let's look at it, not just the way that it ended. Look at it before the game started. We weren't playing Justin Fields, sure, but we also weren't playing second-round pick Kyler Gordon due to concussion. We weren't playing second-round pick Jaquan Brisker due to concussion. Obviously, we traded away Roquan Smith. We traded away Robert Quinn. There are so many pieces to this defense and even to the offense with Tevin Jenkins. I think he played. Um, Larry Borum obviously had to step in for Riley Reef. I mean, there are injuries all across this team. And I understand you look at the Broncos, you look at the Chargers, the Bears aren't the only team that are hurt out there. But this team was not looking good before uh, this game started, and it certainly didn't end up looking good afterwards with Eddie Jackson going down to what potentially may be a foot sprain if Mason West's connection from WCG, Hoots to WCG, uh, is, is a good one. And we've still got yet to see what's going on with Darnell Mooney. But all the same... I don't know if they were going to beat this Jets team on the road before the game. I don't see why you would pin everything on Justin Fields. Yeah, Robert, I mean, I understand that. Like, I really do. I get it. The problem is you take a look at what's happening within this Bears offense. I mean, you saw the same game I did, right? Well, what do you mean by that? I mean, this Bears offense, sure, they could move the ball in the first two drives, but after that, the dynamism that Justin Fields brings to the table was clearly, clearly missed. I mean, the, it's as if the Jets saw, okay, Je or Trevor Simeon is going to trust his checkdowns. He's going to trust his uh, receivers out on the perimeter. Let's see if we can't get him hit and pull his eyes down. And guess what? It worked. I mean, say what you will, Robert, but that first sack, oh, I was thinking it, Robert. Yep, that first sack was something that Justin Fields probably could have worked his way out of. And I understand that some of the checkdowns that the uh, that Simeon hit early on in the game and certainly that wild throw to Pringle that maybe should have been intercepted weren't plays that Justin Fields was going to make right now. But don't you think that by the end of the game, Fields would have ultimately been able to bring more to the table? Well, that's just it, Robert, isn't it? Like on one hand, Yes. But on another hand, we don't know because whatever it is, whether it's a separated shoulder, a dislocated shoulder or a uh, an AC joint sprain. I mean, obviously, the reporting on that uh, specific injury has been kind of all over the place on what it is. We also know that it could have easily become a re-injury had he fallen on it wrong. And I don't think that's worth it. Sure. I think Fields maybe could have carried this offense to a 20-point performance, maybe maybe even more than that, based on the trending that they've been doing over the last couple of weeks. But who's to say it would have been worth it? I mean, you tell me, Robert, based on the way that this defense was playing, giving up 31 points to Mike White and three Bills, was it four touchdowns? Let's take a look at the box. Yes, it was three touchdowns to Mike White and, sure, a talented, but maybe not that talented Jets secondary. Was a better performance from Justin Fields that made the loss that little bit closer really that important to you? 
Robert, I, I get it. I really do. I mean, I think that's what's got me so conflicted. I hate watching the Bears lose. I hate even more watching the Bears get blown out. I mean, this game after those first two drives was in the bucket. I mean, it was over. I, the Bears came back onto the field after that, and they went three and out their next three drives in a row while giving up, by the way, touchdowns on, let's see here, it looks like the Jets, after the Bears turned it over on downs, they, okay, so the Bears scored their touchdown uh, to make it 10-7. to 7. They turned them over on downs. They went three and out. The Jets scored a touchdown. The Bears went three and out again. The Jets scored a field goal. And from there, suddenly, the offense looked eerily familiar, let's say. Oh, Robert, don't think I don't know. I agree with you. Going three and out, three and out, three and out, one first down, three and out again, one first down, three and out again is not an offense that I want to remember, but let's think of it this way. We now know what the base plate for this offense looks like, right? Quarterback going through his progressions, still getting panicky in the pocket. Looks like fields. Isn't the only one and distributing the ball to check downs that make plays when the ball gets to them. Don't when it doesn't. And, I mean, some players, frankly, had their best performance. I thought Claypool looked solid today. Still had some things that he's got to work out. I'm mostly talking about the contested catch in the end zone where he was clearly held. Don't get me wrong. But had he turned back for the ball a little bit sooner and recognized the back shoulder, I do think that he would have had a better chance of drawing the call. Though, again, we're not demeriting him more than any or more than any particular play for not turning back to the ball soon enough because he made up for it with that go ball down the or down the sidelines where he clearly beat sauce Gardner and was able to fight through contact to catch the football. Also Byron Pringles catch of the end zone. I mean, what'd you think of that? I thought it was kind of nuts. Didn't you like that was a wild catch in the back of the end zone. And frankly, one that if I had to guess the DB would want to have back, because that ball did not look like it was thrown, let's say, particularly safely by Trevor Simeon. Could have been an interception, let alone a pass deflection. And um, Byron Pringle just went over the top and took the ball away. Yeah, I know. But outside of that, it's not like the Bears had a ton of highlights. And I can't help but think that the highlight or the lowlights that they put on tape now let's say, are worth it when they potentially, I mean, you've seen the Panthers score, right? The Panthers won today, beating the Broncos, and in so doing, bumped the Bears into what's currently projected to be the second overall pick in the draft. I mean, what does that mean to you? Oh, draft schmaft. Come on, Robert. Like, I, all, all these nerds out there want to talk draft picks, and I get it. But, like, don't the highest team, or don't the highest draft pick teams end up just picking at the top of the draft again. I mean, how much did the first overall draft pick last year or first or second, I can't particularly remember, help uh, help the Jaguars? How much has the first overall pick helped the Lions the few times they've had it, let alone the top 10 picks? Like, draft picks aren't everything, and I don't frankly understand why so many people are so willing to wish away wins in or just in the name of this potential for maybe a good player. It just seems so backwards almost masochistic like you're rooting for failure so that we can potentially see success instead of demanding success now 
don't get me wrong, Robert. I agree with you. But while you're citing some teams that have absolutely blown really good draft options, you got to take a look at teams like the Eagles, teams like the Dolphins, teams like, I mean, dare we say it, the Browns. There are plenty of teams, the Bengals, that have used those top picks and suddenly become the class of the NFL. And on the other hand, we take a look at the Rams, who've gotten rid of almost all of their draft picks. And while they totally won a Super Bowl and nobody's taking that away from them this year, not so much, and they may ultimately be the reason that the Lions get another high draft pick. It won't be because it's the Lions pick. It's because it's the Rams. And so I hear you, but you got to remember, if it, like you've seen the same college highlights I have, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are names that are absolutely everywhere, regardless of Ohio State's defeat to Michigan. So with the second pick in the draft, you got to think that the Bears would have a particularly juicy trade down option should they take it. I mean, it's even if they move back from, say, two to five versus two to 12, the haul that they could get is quite large. I mean, look, I don't mean to belabor the point, but you saw what it cost for the Bears to move up from three to two just a couple of years ago. If the Bears... Uh, like if the Bears were able to drop down and get an offer like that, you could be looking at not only a Jalen Carter, not only, I mean, worst case scenario, you're talking about like a Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. That's an edge rusher for those who don't know. And he looks really fabulous, but you'd also potentially get another second round pick, potentially another first round pick on top of that, potentially another third, fourth, fifth, sixth round pick to make it three potential picks for the price of really nothing. And suddenly you're looking at a team that Justin Fields has this same team, Robert, this same team is one that Justin Fields has elevated to 30 points per game, 30 points, 29 points against Dallas, 31 points. If memory serves against uh, new England, that's probably wrong, but close enough. 30 plus points against new England, 30 plus points against Miami, 28 points against uh, whoever we just played. Well, 24 points against the Falcons. Like, Points on points on points. I understand all the conversation regarding yardage and passing yardage totals. Everybody loves to focus on these passing yardage totals from Justin Fields. Well, if you look at Trevor Simeon, is 179 yards with two sacks and a pick and a touchdown so inspiring to everybody? Because 14 for 25 for 179, 7.2 yards per pass, one touchdown, one interception, and two sacks for 14 yards is an awfully fieldsy passing total, don't you think? You know, I hadn't thought about it that way, Robert. Yeah, I know. I This sounds so silly because why on earth would it work out so easily for us? But this is the kind of game that makes you beg the question on style or not. Maybe Fields' passing totals have truly been the reflection of the offense that I know some people have suggested they are and that, yes, we can breathe easier knowing that Fields is adding this rushing piece to his offense because the passing game right now, that's offensive line plus one wide receivers can't sustain any better than that. Like I completely understand anybody out there that says that Simeon's first two drives looked really good, but it's worth remembering that Simeon's first two drives were primarily taking a look downfield, quickly checking it down. Darrington Evans making a play quickly, getting the ball into the flat, David Montgomery making a play. Uh, and then Byron Pringle coming up later, huge on a big catch 
in the end zone alongside Chase Claypool grabbing a ball down the sidelines. Outside of that, the passing game pretty much looked like the passing game that it has, regardless of which quarterback was in it. It's like taking two routes to get to the same place. Right. Because especially near the end of the game, it certainly looked much easier to shut down Trevor Simeon's passing attack than it did. Uh, than it did look to ju- shut down Justin Fields's. let's call it offense, because to call it Justin Fields passing attack doesn't feel fair. I can't help but think that Justin Fields ability to create plays was sorely missed today. While I understand that you wanted to see him play. I mean, even through the injury and that that's not something you disagree with. It does make me wonder what the offense would look like, whether Simeon or Fields was a quarterback, if the rest of the team around them was better. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Look, I, I get it. I know I'm a little on the disappointed side, but at the same time, I mean, It's not like Simeon, though he looked smooth and though it looked like we really might have something on our hands for that first two drives, the Jets threw a little bit of pressure at us and just got Simeon to drop his eyes. I mean, that first sack looked like it changed everything for the Bears offense. Suddenly, Simeon was just that little bit more skittish in the pocket. Suddenly, Simeon wasn't quite going through his his progressions. Suddenly, Simeon's checkdowns were off. And who knows, maybe it was the rain. Like, it could certainly be the rain. But you look at what was going on on the other side of the ball. And I mean, for crying out loud, Robert, did you see how open Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and the rest of these Jets receivers were? I mean, yeah, hard to miss him, right? Yes, Eddie Jackson fell down on that break uh, where he could have made a tackle on what ended up being a Garrett Wilson touchdown. But Wilson, Corey Davis, and the rest of this Jets unit were open all over the place and making plays in the process. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. If you got Fields, a group like this, and that group isn't even like top five in the NFL right now from a production standpoint. Maybe they would have been had Mike White been the quarterback. Let's not go there. But it's it begs the question on how much of this i mean we've now seen what it looks like for trevor simeon to play in this bears offense how much of all of what we're talking about with justin fields passing was do you really think is attributable to a supporting cast issue and how much of it do you really think is a quarterback issue i mean it's it's hard to say I, I wish that I could put my finger on it, you know, but even me as high on Justin Fields, frustrated that he didn't play as I, as I am that it's, yeah, no, you may have a point. I look, I'm by no means trying to put you in a corner. I get it, Robert, but I can't help thinking that while Trevor Simeon, again, like I, I want to acknowledge what you're saying that Simeon had two drives that looked pretty solid, but the rest of the game was so Like you can't get shut out like that. And I can't help but look at that and think to myself that that's a dynamism issue, right? Like a lack of dynamicness. And so when in that second, that third drive, that fourth drive, that fifth drive, that sixth drive, that seventh drive, that eighth drive, you continue to get put into positions where you need to drop back and pass because it's the only option that isn't just turning around and handing the ball to a running back. I mean, the gourmet runs that we've seen, they weren't there today. The, the stretch runs, the things that play off the quarterback, the things that make you defend 11 on 11 in the running game. When those weren't there, we had a check down to Cole Kmet coming out or coming off of like a tight end angle route. We had a check down to David Montgomery who would go pick up eight yards out of 12. We had relatively uninspiring play from the outside. And again, maybe there was some rain to blame there, 
But when the other guy across from you throws for an easy looking 314 yards off of 28 passes, I, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to excuse one when the other tore him up so well. Yeah. But I mean, look, you talked about this before, Robert, it's worth bringing up the difference in defensive quality. I mean, the jets are a very good defense sauce Gardner, rookie or not is a very good corner while the bears right here are starting, uh, especially after Eddie Jackson went down relatively early, they're starting Deandre Houston Carson at de- as debatably their best safety. Their uh, best pass rusher right now is Justin Jones. Not very good at all, uh, or at least not great as your best defensive lineman. Right. He looks like a solid rotational piece, but maybe nothing more. Kendall Vildor and Jalen Johnson both had relatively solid days, but with no real help in the defensive backfield outside of that, not at nickel corner, not at uh, outside or not at safety. You're going to get torn up. And I mean, this Jets team is fast enough to put Jack Sanborn in places where while the young kid, young UDFA did make plays, this is not these are not the same defenses. I mean, yeah, you're you're totally right. I get that, but at the same time, I don't know. It's I think that you could tell that the Bears, just like teams we've seen in the past, this looked like, to use an example, this looked like Nick Foles playing the Rams in 2020. This looked like Andy Dalton playing the uh, the Rams, unfortunately. I have to use the same team twice in 2021. This looked like a team with a quarterback that could get the ball out because that's what he does, uh, playing against a defense that had the guys to shut them out at pretty much every position on the field. And so we'll just we'll just have to wait and see. Like we'll just have to wait and see what what things look like as the offense gets a little bit of investment, as the defense gets a little bit of investment. But overall, when you look at this game. What did you really think, Robert? I mean, look, when I think from an overall perspective, I think most of what I think is that we didn't need to play this game. Like, I get it. I understand this is what you do. You play 17 games in the NFL now. But the And I understand also that the Bears look like they are right about to uh, desperately need that bye week against the or after the Packers game because goodness gracious, just about everybody on this team got hurt. Um, but overall, I feel like this game was more of the same. It was kind of a bummer to watch. I mean, we had a fun run up to 10-7, but after that, it was just a matter of watching a Bears team that I have seen for so long play another game looking exactly like they have and honestly Robert I miss watching the last couple weeks games because this offense didn't bring anything to the table while the defense gets shredded and I felt like I was watching a Tressman game again whoa 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 there Robert let's not get ahead of ourselves what what do you mean I feel like to, to call it a Tressman era implies that this team was competing at the or was pushing resources forward like the Tressman teams were pushing forward I mean this is this is a tank here what do you mean? The Bears, you got to remember, they're spending the second least on offense in the NFL. They're spending the second least on defense in the NFL. Do you know, Robert, the Bears have more dead cap on their defense, like committed to defensive players that are on other teams than they do defensive salary this year? Whoa, really? Yeah. Really, as soon as they traded Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, dead money was so clearly tilted towards this is not our year that I can't help but read it any other way as, look, I don't want to say intentional losing, but certainly not quite as accountable a team 
as we might want. And without talent, I don't really want to rip Alan Williams apart either. I'm surprised you haven't brought that up. I mean, look, I get it, Robert. I would I would rip Alan Williams up, but it's not hard to see that it's not that the Bears lack talent up front and in the defensive back room. I, I want to see Alan Williams with a better core of defensive players before I make one judgment about him e- or, or another. If anything, the fact that he's got a UDFA and Jack Sanborn playing serviceable football is pretty surprising because I mean the Bears haven't had a UDFA make a real contribution since what Bryce Callahan. Yep, uh, Bryce Callahan was who came to my mind too. But all that to say. Robert, that I can't help but think that the worst part about this game was the injuries. Obviously, it's never fun to see a 29-year-old and Eddie Jackson, who's playing some of his best football, go down hurt. It's hard to see Darnell Mooney, a core piece of the future, get hurt. It's hard to see Justin Fields have to sit a game out for injury because, say what you will, had he toughened through it, it would have probably felt, certainly would have felt to me emotionally, like maybe the injury wasn't as bad as reported. But here we are. The main thing that I look at, Robert, is the Bears have roughly $140 million of cap space projected into next year. And I understand the cap space doesn't win you games, but this means that we can point and we can just assume, right? Um, Because like somebody pointed out, by the way, it wasn't just that group, Riley Reef got hurt. Kyler Gordon is out. Obviously, that's not great. Neither is Brisker. Larry Borum got hurt. Michael Schofield had to come back into the game. Like This was a a real rough one from a health perspective for the Bears, but when people say this, this group of starters isn't going to be the group of starters that carries the Bears forward in 2023, that, that massive amount of cap space, these high draft picks, that's what they're pointing to. Like Baltimore Ravens second round pick or not, because that Chase Claypool trade is looking a little expensive, though obviously he's got plenty of time to prove something. I thought he had a really nice step forward today in terms of just showing us some eye candy that we can hang on for the future. The Bears should be able to afford more than likely, what do you think, Robert? Like three top tier free agents, four solid tier free agents, and then three more role players at least with the money that they have. And they have to spend. Like, this isn't a question of value. This isn't a question of bargain shopping. They have to spend to hit the league's cap floor minimum, which is a year-over-year average that they're spending so little that they got to push that money up or else it's they're going to get fined. Like, it's, it's a league requirement that they have to spend that money. They're going to be active in this free agency market. And so I can't help but look at this Bears team and just think to myself, what is going to happen when this team gets any better? I mean, they're already making some stops. It's not many. I understand that. But their their run defense has been better than I thought it would be. So what does it look like when you add a run talent that can play against it like a Deron Payne? What happens when you add a Will Anderson to the edge? How much better does the pass rush get? If the pass rush gets better, how much better does the defensive back coverage get with guys like Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker than in their second year? I can't help but look at this Bears team. And while I understand that there are so many out there that just like you, that nothing wrong with it, that think that with Ryan Poles having brought in so many players and all of those players not looking very good. I'm looking at you, Byron Pringle. I'm looking at you. Um, 
I mean, Justin Jones, not a bad example. Larry Ogunjobi, hard to tell whether he would have made the difference, so to speak. Nick Morrow doesn't look particularly special, but I'll, I'll point to what all of those players cost and remind you of just how little the Bears really invested. What does a one-year deal for $5 million in 2022 really say about a GM's confidence in a player to be the difference? Because I don't think that says much about Byron Pringle. I don't think that says much about Dante Pettis that he was brought in for an even cheaper deal. I think he was at vet minimum. I think, uh, I don't think it says much about Justin Jones that he was brought in for a $6 million year over year average in a day and age where defensive tackles get paid $20 million, especially when they're good. They get paid more than that. I don't think it says anything about investment when the Bears signed al Muhammad for certainly less than $5 million, though his salary doesn't come off the top of my head. Uh, and sure, they're starting him, but he was always intended to be a rotational piece. And Colts message boards will tell you that he's frankly an Eberflus. Uh, I don't know. Like he's Eberflus just seems to be really fond of the guy. We'll leave it at that. But it's I, I can't help but look at this and not see underperformers. I see guys that were never supposed to perform guys that maybe we maybe we hyped up too much in the offseason. Look, I was there, too. Right. And if there's a value signing to be had, I think Equinamia St. Brown has looked better than I anticipated he would, even if that doesn't mean he's looked outright good. Right. Dante Pettis has looked like he's worth rostering, despite I know that some Bears fans' frustration with him over somebody like Byron Pringle, who has just lacked any luster whatsoever. Uh, during the time that he's played as a Bear. And so as I look at this Bears team moving forward, I just I can't envision really holding Ryan Poles' name too close to this roster. Because this roster, to me, looks like it was built to lose. And so, with them being built to lose, I can't help but think that Ryan Poles' project roster is doing what it was intended to do. I mean, say what we will. If you're high on Justin Fields right now, you can raise your hand and you can confidently say that somehow this roster with this ragtag group of offensive linemen, with this ragtag group of receivers, with this ragtag group of rookie defensive backs, Eddie Jackson, and then a bunch of guys, like young edge rushers playing for a rotational role in the future, uh, rotational defensive linemen playing for a role in the future, that the Bears have managed, injury or not, to develop Justin Fields a little bit, or certainly more than last year, while still losing a ton of games and potentially grabbing the number two overall pick. If you thought that this Bears team was competing for a wild card spot, I don't blame you for thinking that this roster is an abject failure. If you thought they were tanking, which I know I did, it's it's not a, it's not, not a failure. I mean, well, that's the complicated part, right? If they were tanking, is it a success? Because I think it is. I know it's weird to think about, but losing so many games so competitively is with a roster that we want to replace consistently. It kind of makes you look like the, uh, the, 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 I don't know, the GM that his plan, so to speak, is coming together. I mean, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens, but I can't. 
I don't want to be a voice that looks at the Bears getting blown out by the Jets and acts like they've been getting blown out all season. They haven't been getting blown out all season. They've been competing with everybody in the NFL for 57 to 58 minutes over the last five weeks of the year when their QB1 was in the game. And this week he was hurt and a backup came in and looked like a backup and frankly showed just how poor the talent disparity is on both sides of the ball. And so within that, I can't help but still be excited about the Bears' future. It's just going to take uh, – Take it. It's just going to take holding your breath and getting through the next six more weeks. You know what I'm saying? Look, Robert, you said a lot. You can talk an awful lot. Uh, so you didn't exactly let me get a word in. But as much as it pains me to say it, because I cheer for the laundry. Look, I we're all living a week at a time. Who isn't? And I hate watching the Bears lose. I hate watching this offense look this bad. I can't help but disagree. Look, the Cowboys defense was a lot better than this. The Washington defense was a lot better than this. And while the Bears still managed 400 yards again, I guess, even against Washington, the Bears were moving the ball up and down the field more, despite what the scoreboard says. Against New England, a very good defense. The Bears moved the ball up and down the field all over the place. Against Dallas, the Bears moved the ball up and down the field all over the place. Against Miami, who's not a great defense, they still managed to do it again. Against the Lions, they managed to do it again. And say what you will about Dean Pease's Falcons defense coming in and stopping them a little bit, it gummed them up to the point of them only scoring 24, which is awfully, awfully good for a bad day. I mean, shoot, the Bears would have, uh, the Bears would have very readily taken 24 points today. You know what I'm saying? I do. And so, I can't help but look at Justin Fields right now. And I'm excited about him. While I disagree with Poles' strategy, I I guess I get it. I don't know. Tanking's not my thing, man. I Look, hey, that much I can understand. There are not that many people that are down to tank, so to speak. Yeah, it's, it's not my thing. I, I hate cheering for losses. I hate looking forward to losses. I hate looking at roster rebuilding projects, especially when it feels like with all these close games, I mean, for crying out loud, Robert, this, this bears team is like two Valus Joan punt catches. It's two. It's Darnell Mooney catching a touchdown pass or Dante Pettis. One of those two against Washington. It's uh, it's, I don't know. ISM catching that fumble or like not fumbling, getting out of bounds. It's Justin Fields catching a break on Cole Komet's knee-knocking play against Miami. It's Justin Fields also managing to find, I know there was another one that went wrong on the first play of last week uh, against Detroit. Like it's it's stuff that keeps going wrong that keeps costing the Bears wins. I mean, this team just doesn't feel three and nine. No, I, I agree with you. Like, right, I, I really do agree with you. And if anything... I can't help but think that that exact sentiment is why the tank might be working. Because if this team feels better than three and nine, then the picks that they can get and the players that they can add from a position of nominally looking three and nine puts them in the driver's seat for a potential rebound forward. I mean, you think about it like the Bengals. They slingshotted off of a rough year where Burrow got hurt that they then immediately added Jamar Chase and went to the Super Bowl. I understand you look at the Bengals now. They're not exactly the Super Bowl team, but if those are the bounds and if this is their middle point, then I think we as Bears fans would take it over where we are now. 
And so I can't help thinking that the the Bears are going to be better in the future. It's just a matter of honestly getting to the end of the season. I mean, amen to that, Robert. Like, especially with what happened on that rainy turf today, like, get me out of here. I am not looking forward to the Packers game or next week. Well, you know, you say that, but with reports now coming out about some weird Packers potential injury with uh, with Aaron Rodgers, who's to say how that game's even going to work out? But that'll be a conversation that we'll have to have some other time. Uh, within this specific uh, game, I'll close up by saying that I can't help thinking that this Bears game was a game that nobody really wanted to watch. I mean, obviously, right? But Trevor Simeon didn't exactly help. The Bears' defense didn't exactly help. Giving up what felt like free yardage through the air to just about anybody who felt like catching a pass is never fun to watch. Reminded me of those horrible Mel Tucker years. And then when the Bears had the ball, they went right back to looking like your standard snap to throw to incompletion, snap to hold the ball, to throw the ball, to incompletion, tight con- or contested catches, having to dominate just about every simple and deep throw. Uh, Cole Komet fumbled, which is not to dunk on Cole Komet. It's more to point out that when the margins really get that tight, you start to remember literally everything. And then right there at the end of the game, despite driving, despite making some aggressive fourth down decisions that I can tip my hat to Everflues for, uh, yeah, I mean, they they threw an interception and iced the game. Like I get it, not a very phys- or like not a very visually appealing game by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think that this exact kind of game is something that in 2024 we literally won't think about at all. I mean, this isn't the offense that I think the Bears want to run. It was neat to see what the quick passing game looked like. It was also nice to know the obvious that the a little bit of quick passing wasn't going to completely fix the offense. I thought David Montgomery had a really solid game today, uh, both through the air and on the ground. I thought Darrington Evans looked really solid, made you wonder why 25 was getting the carries that he was. But overall, this offensive line still looked like an offensive line that needs work. Larry Borum, before he was hurt, uh, allowed a sack off of a free edge rusher that I still don't really understand, and I'll need the All-22 to see. Uh, I thought Trevor Simeon had a perfectly fine game, to be honest with you. It's not like I'm sitting here dunking on Simeon because I thought he played super bad or something. If anything, I think he He played pretty much exactly up to snuff from where I expected him to be. So at this stage, I'm kind of, uh, if I had a message to Bears fans, it would be hide your your eyes because the next couple weeks could be hard to watch. They obviously, sure, they play the Packers. And sure, the Bears get the best version of Aaron Rodgers, I swear, every time they play the Packers. But after that, they play the Bills, they play the Eagles before they play the Lions and the Vikings. I uh, I think that the Bears are in a position to carry some really solid players into the future. I'm talking about Eddie Jackson. I'm talking about Tevin Jenkins. I'm talking about Dave Montgomery. I'm talking about Khalil Herbert. I'm talking about, yes, Darnell Mooney. Yes, Chase Claypool. I'm talking about Justin Fields. I'm talking about uh, Eddie Jackson. I'm talking about maybe even Jack Sanborn. I'm talking about Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, even Kendall Vildor, and of course, Jalen Johnson. But everybody that I didn't name, that's like three offensive linemen. I think Braxton Jones probably wiggles in there. Uh, It's not that I'm trying to dunk on the poor kid too much. I mean, honestly, I'm very curious to see what Braxton would look like with a left guard that I think he trusted a little more, though it's not like Whitehair's been that bad. But left guard, center, 
right tackle could easily use an upgrade. Cole Komet can easily come into the future. I think he's starting to come into his own, which frankly is fun to see. The problem is to use an EJ Snyderism, the Bears have the Bears house burned down in 2021. Envision a house, envision it burned down, right? The foundation's all you got left. Even if that, like for the for the purpose of this metaphor, somehow the foundation got ruined too. So they had to reland the foundation. They had to build back up the bones, right? They had enough, they had to add enough players to where technically you had a house. They finished the master bedroom. Maybe that's the quarterback. They finished the uh DB room. Maybe that's the, I don't know, the guest bedroom. Like you pick something, it could be the kitchen, maybe one of the bathrooms. Um, but the point is they finished like three position groups and added just enough to the rest to keep the team afloat and next year the hope is that they finish out the house and then we really have something that we can look at to judge this team off of look i know there are plenty pointing and saying just like i see in my chat right here that it i don't know if this bears defense could even become average next year but i would turn back and say i think that defensive problems compound themselves when you have no pass rush it makes your corners look worse and when your corners get hurt it makes bad corners look really bad when you have no pass rush but you add a will anderson plus a deron Payne, plus a hargraves plus another solid defensive tackle because they sure have the money and draft picks to do that you add a tyree wilson you add a uh like you add pieces you basically are going to remake this defensive line in free agency and suddenly i think the dvs look that little bit better and if the dvs take a step beyond that like if brisker just gets flat better if uh if gordon really finds it starts to build a little bit of like cornerback instincts to go with some pressure you might really have a player on your hands if you add like a bobby ogariki at line or at linebacker i mean for crying out loud the ads that i just talked about was an inside linebacker two defensive tackles and yes two edge rushers of course it's not like this is easy but we're talking about 60 to 70 million dollars which the bears have and very well may invest plus a really high draft pick and so um within that i can't help but think that that's legitimately achievable that the bears could add again that's a first round draft pick and probably three to five contracts totaling somewhere in the 50 to 70 million dollar range and then suddenly the defense has a whole new look because you're able to stop the run with just six guys and you're able to rush the passer with the four guys that you have up front it's not that you even have to do any of those well you just have to do them better than one of the worst defensive lines in football, and the defense should take a step forward as a result. And then you switch over to offense. We said 60 or 50 to 70 million. That leaves 70 to 90 million to spend on offense, which would you believe it? There are some solid centers in free agency. You can find yourself a guard, two guards, maybe. You could find yourself a second tight end. You could find yourself another a number three wide receiver, depending on what you think Justin Fields really needs. And then there's more draft picks than just that first round pick i mean number two pick could easily become the number five pick the uh 2024 first rounder and uh, the number i don't know probably like the number 38 or 40th pick in the draft so suddenly you have two second rounders you still have uh jalen carter tyree wilson uh, will anderson and on top of that you've got a future first round pick to continue to load up your team with look i get it this thing's longer in the tooth than I think plenty of people want, just like other Robert. I know 
the feeling. I mean, for crying out loud, you are what your record says you are at the end of the day. Like Mike Dicke would say, is it on the left side or on the right side? Talking, of course, about the result. And is it in the win column or the loss column? And the Bears have lost a lot of games. And I think if everybody's eyes are telling them what my eyes are telling me, Bears may not win another. We'll see. I mean, maybe they beat the Lions. Maybe they beat the Week 18 Vikings. Or maybe Trevor Simeon injures his oblique conspicuously against the uh, Vikings. Nathan Peterman goes out and loses to the Vikings B-Squad. I don't know. But I do think that the player infusion that we are about to see is going to be, dare I say, unprecedented. Let's not forget, you probably thought the same thing about how far away the 2017 Bears were. And then they got Allen Robinson. They got Taylor Gabriel. They Sure, they added Anthony Miller. What did that really help? They added Roquan Smith. They added Price Callahan. They added... um, I don't think they added Adrian Amos. You get the idea. They traded for Khalil Mack. That was obviously a huge one. And voila! The 2018 roster was the best it has been in terms of production, certainly, that the Bears have seen in a decade, and it happened overnight. They went from a horrible 2017 team to a very good 2018 team. So all I will finish with here is Bears fans, have a little bit of heart. We can do this. We're all in this together. It's frustrating watching the Bears look awful. But if anything, maybe it takes a little bit of mental heat off of Justin Fields and poor passing performances because it shows us what uh, I guess the other guy can do, right? And the answer is not much better, but definitely without the rushing uh, piece. And so within that, I am excited to see what happens in the future. I do think the Bears are going in an unorthodox but exciting direction. That's the key. Maybe I'll truly finish with that, guys, that the – the Bears are going in a direction that has not quite been committed to this hard since Sashi Brown committed super duper hard to tanking with Hugh Jackson. And then Hugh Jackson came out in the second year and tanked again that time on accident. So we haven't really seen an orchestrated tank, maybe since like Curtis Painter with uh, Indianapolis. I'm sure there were more examples than that throughout history, but we certainly haven't seen a tank squad with a franchise quarterback in place. Normally the part of the way that they get that done is by adding a quarterback that (laughs) is worse like Curtis painter to use an example. This is really pretty unprecedented and I understand all the frustration, but the hope would be that the bears are right now the 2019 chargers, but they have better injury luck in 2020 and 2021. I will say Matt Eberflus looks wonderfully aggressive. Look, he's not Baylor's Dave Aranda going for fourth one on his own 20 in the first quarter up three points, but he's going for fourth downs that feel like the game is on the line. And when you use those four downs to your advantage, you can prey on a lot of poor defensive thinking. He's going for two when they need to. Look, I'm not just trying to say, yeah, aggression, that's what makes the team good. But he doesn't look like your common core defensive head coach. He looks like somebody who understands modern football as evidenced by the way he chuckled and laughed about the idea of spending a a first round pick on an inside linebacker in Roquan Smith. So I completely hear anybody who says, I didn't think the defense was going to be this bad. I knew it was a bad year. I didn't think it'd be this bad. I completely hear anybody that says, I just hate watching the Bears lose. But this is, the hope is, is that we invest this, right? And the difference between these losses and last year's losses is that last year, the Bears were spending money into the future just to keep a team together that went 6-11. and 
this year. Oh, and give their first round pick away to the, the Giants, who immediately turned it into uh, Tavon Thibodeau, who's having himself a very solid year. The hope is, is that this Bears team, the losses beget them a, Tav- a Kayvon Thibodeau, right? That they get the value from these losses. And then Poles gets to, just like he said, take the North and never give it back because the Bears are building the right way. This is how you build through the draft. So I'm excited to see it. But just like anybody else, if I could sim the season right now, I would. Either way, Robert, I know I've kept you on the shelf for a little while. Anything you want to plug? Yeah, uh, so we've obviously got our t- All-22 review that's going to be coming up, but we're probably not going to be talking about Trevor Simeon. Look, I I get it. There may be some people out there that are really jonesing to talk about what happened with this Bears offense. We'll probably cover it very quickly. We may skip the defense altogether. It's just gotten sad, and we'll look instead at free agent additions. We'll look at draft prospects. We'll start really digging into what is it worth right to get through these losses because i don't think dwelling on these losses is particularly meaningful so you've got that to look forward to that's at 8 p.m on tuesday night plus anything else i have time for and whatever my baby will allow well robert that sounds really exciting so of course you can find that over on second city gridiron where you can also watch this podcast be recorded live and talk a little bit afterwards on the live stream but until next time bears fans look this one was rough the bears are three and nine but i really do think they've got a bright future ahead of them so keep it or keep your ears on the windy city gridiron podcasting channel you'll have bear and balance coming at you tomorrow bears banter coming at you later this week bears over beers obviously t formation conversation and some wonderful wonderful stuff that's going to be needed with um bare bones with mason west who is going to give you all the deets that you need to hear on the ir situation which will uh, likely get pretty crowded this week but until that bears fans bear down Thanks so much for bearing with me.